The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a Chief Compliance Officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox and each month he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Ryan Robillet has over two decades of legal and compliance experience in the oil and gas sector, including being a vice president and chief compliance officer for two different public companies with global operations. He has a history of providing practical solutions to the business and managing overall corporate and regulatory compliance programs. His compliance experience includes a focus on anti-bribery, anti-corruption compliance, sanctions, trade control, U.S. anti-boycott, reporting to senior management and the boards of directors. In this four-part series, we look at, in episode one, Ryan's career path. Was it a roadmap or was he simply along for the ride? Episode two, the problem of transparency in the black box for compliance. Episode three, the skill sets needed for the CCO chair. And episode four, the culture of a company and the role of a CCO in fostering that culture. It's a fascinating exploration of a person who's been in compliance literally uh, since the start of this century. And I know you will find it fascinating, interesting, and very enjoyable. Thanks for joining me. And I hope you'll stay with us for the entire four-part podcast series. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I am back with Ryan Rabelais, and we are here for our concluding episode in this month's The Compliance Life. First of all, Ryan, welcome back. Culture of a company and the CCO's role in that culture is something that uh, I think is an important, uh, yet perhaps not as well explored issue. And Ryan, one of the things that has struck me about your career is you've worked with companies that have had very different cultures. Um, uh, massive companies in oil field service down to a little bit smaller companies uh, as well. So I was wondering if you could uh, maybe start off with some thoughts on what's the importance of culture within a company and what's the CCO's role in facilitating that? The importance of it when it comes to compliance is, is just paramount. I mean, do these, you know, these people at this company, let's say, even when you're in the interview stage, um, what is their attitude towards it? Because, you know, if it's not at a certain level or above, you're, you're going to have a really, really tough time. And, you know, this is tough earlier in your career, maybe, but, but ultimately you have to be prepared to walk away, I would say, because, um, and I've known a few compliance folks that um, have 
taken a job, but then eventually walked away because they realized the company just wanted some window dressing in regard to compliance. And, you know, this is a, a, a serious, serious game when you get down to it, if bribes are being paid and, you know, you have to look in the mirror and, and some of them have walked away. Um, so what is the company's attitude on compliance? Again, it goes to where are they in this cycle? Are they under investigation? Have they ever had an investigation or, I mean, do they have a monitor? You know, where, where are they at? The cycle is very important. Um, I will say a word of caution with walking away, in my opinion, is every company is going to have some, some problems of some sort. And if you walk away, eventually, probably some compliance person will be part of uh, being the solution. So if you have the heart to stick it out, even though it may be very frustrating day to day for what could be a couple years, um, you know, somebody's going to step in there and do it. Um, so just, just a word of caution in that sense. But I think the culture is very, very important, and each company is a little bit different. Um, and how the and so how they support the compliance role is is very important. And then the CCO's role in crafting the culture of the company is important because I, I've encountered some companies that think, well, they they don't if you really try to pin them down, they don't know where their culture comes from. It's just an accident along the way. And then others um, are very deliberate about it and think, well, the, you know, the board and the CEO have defined it in these certain documents and maybe HR really kind of shepherds that day to day. I would offer up that um, rightly or wrongly, the chief compliance officer in the compliance department play a part in the day-to-day -day culture of the company um, one way or another. And I say that if nothing else, what I noticed over time was, you know, doing internal investigations and being somewhat a part of the eventual discipline that happens to people is you're, you're carrying out actions day-to-day -day in that company, interviewing people, deciding what should be done with those people or not done that right there is part of the culture. What does the company do about when somebody, you know, made a mistake? What does the company do when somebody stole from the company? Did they prosecute them? Did they just fire them? Did they not fire them, et cetera? You, you're part of that. And, and whether people think the compliance department should be part of setting that part of the culture or not, um, you are. I'll also say, taking on agents, deciding whether this agent's the one to go with in Angola or not, you're part of it. And, and that's part of the company's culture as well. Um, so the CCO and the, and the compliance department's role is very important. Another uh, front on that whole topic is training. If you, as part of the compliance, uh, compliance department's role, are standing in front of a lot of people um, and talking to them for an hour or two or three or all day going around the whole company top to bottom or at least some of it, you're getting more exposure to more employees than, than almost anybody else. And in those discussions and sessions and side conversations, et cetera, with those employees, culture's being set right there. 
when employees ask questions, well, what does the company do? Will they defend you if, you know, you get caught up in an FCPA issue? What happens there? Well, you're up there answering questions as the face of the company to these people. You, that's, that's partly crafting the culture right there. Ryan, um, what are, is the role of the CCO in what I broadly call institutional justice and institutional fairness? You talked about compliance being a part of a discipline, disciplinary procedure. What are your thoughts on why discipline has to be consistent across an organization? And my example I always use, if you fire people in Brazil for cheating on their expense accounts, you have to fire your top sales guy in the United States uh, if he does the same uh, action. How do you as a CCO help facilitate institutional fairness and institutional justice? Yeah, I've seen different approaches, obviously different companies, but I, I do think compliance should be a part of it um for the consistency's sake for if no other reason so employees have uh you know reasonable expectations if somebody does x then y is the result it's just a fairness type approach um to employees um of course you've got local laws that play into what can be done with certain employees etc but but if for no other reason the fairness approach to the employees is kind of the one good reason to to approach it that way. And then um, obviously HR is a part of it, the the organization of who these employees work for are, are probably part of it. And then depending on what's going on, maybe even higher up management is involved. Um, I, I will say something I've learned along the way, the larger your company, I mean, let's just say if it's a really large company, it's probably really challenging for compliance to be involved in all the disciplinary proceedings. And I, I would say it's it's probably not a best use of your time. What I've seen though, is if you can make some distinction of between, well, if there's an ethical or compliance type concern in these cases, we would like to know it. And you're part of a you know collective team, again, HR probably, compliance probably, um, uh, operations maybe some other folks in the mix legal um, kind of outside of compliance legal um, are part of a team of evaluating those actions but but maybe the other ones somebody gets fired for you know not showing up to work over and over well probably not an ethical concern maybe you don't need to be involved but i've also seen at the smaller companies where compliance just is involved um, in all of them um, Whatever the approach, I think compliance should be involved, um, and certainly in the compliance departments where the employment law folks uh, either report to or tie in heavily to compliance, it's all the more reason to be involved, but sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But um, at the very least, what I think you're, you're really there for, and I say the ethical concerns is, is compliance wants to speak up or ensure the correct action is taken in the times that, um, again, an ethical or serious type compliance issue has been, you know, brought up by an employee, such as, hey, a bribe was paid. I think compliance absolutely needs to have a say in what happens to the, those employees, or 
you know, just certain, th- yeah, fraudulent actions, you know, uh, embezzlement, et cetera. You want to make sure compliance at the very worst can speak up to say this person should suffer, you know, negative consequences if the company wasn't already going to do that. So in order to do that, you have to have some part in the process. Ron, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, and this has been our concluding episode in this month's The Compliance Life. I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me and share with our listeners some of your experiences, and I hope we can uh, call upon you again at some point in the future. Sure, I'd be happy to. Anytime, Tom. Thank you. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to thank you again for listening to this, our concluding episode in our four-part visit with Ryan Robillet on the Compliance Life for the month of June 2020. Hope you'll join us again in July where Scott Sullivan joins us to talk about his experiences on sitting in the CCO chair. If you'd like to be on the show or you know someone who might be a great candidate, please reach out to me at tfox at tfoxlaw. Also, I'd ask if you could uh, give us a rating and review on iTunes as it would help get the word out about the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network. I look forward to visiting with you again in the month of July. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.